on um, let the king do his thing. So this morning we're going to start which will most likely be an even longer series. And the title of this morning's message is Faith Works. And I want to start in Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. And I'm going to read to you amazingly so out of the King Jimmy version. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but faith which worketh by love. Now over the next coming weeks we're going to be talking about the love factor of faith but this morning I want to focus on the first part of what Paul said just to extrapolate these two words out of this verse here. I said Paul. Uh, yeah, it is Paul. For some reason I was thinking Jesus. Faith works. We need to cement that in our minds that faith works. But allow me to, to just to, to say this and just kind of get it out of the way because the teacher in me won't let me just go right by it. Paul said that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision meaneth anything at all. It's meaningless. And this is what Paul is saying. Now listen, every age in the church we have judged one another by what we see. We got to get over that because we're supposed to know each other by the spirit and not by the flesh. But we all know we've all encountered the faith police who measure your skirt, your hemline, your length of your hair, you know, and if you've got tattoos, shame on you and all that other stuff. And, you know, we, we just we judge each other erroneously by things that we see. And I'm really grateful we don't do it by circumcision because I've been in the church a long time and I still have yet to walk up to anybody and say, yo, bro, you've been circumcised? <laughs> Thank God, no doubt. But there was a time that was the division, right? And really what it was was Paul was saying that the circumcised were those with a superior moral code, right? They were superior morally, and they let everyone know it. And what Paul was saying is that in this new thing called the church, this, this, this body that Jesus Christ is ushering in, he said, your superior morality does not qualify you. Not for this. And then he also says to those who had no morality, the uncircumcised, they were so immoral to the circumcised, they made the immoral look moral. They had no morality. And Paul was saying to those of you who have been immoral, your immorality, your lack of law, keeping your sinful ways do not disqualify you y'all follow me so it's neither your goodness nor your badness that qualify you or disqualify you what paul was saying is in this new thing this new body we will one day call it the church the only thing that matters is faith it's not about whether you kept the law your whole life it's not a matter about whether you broke every law you ever found out. And sometimes you would broke, you'd break them just because they were a law. Yes. It's neither this nor that, but it's faith. Amen. It's not about how you look on the outside. It's about what you hold on the inside. Amen. Faith that works by love. 
And like I said, next, next week, for the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about the love factor. But today I just want to talk about the fact that faith works. Everyone say faith works. Faith always achieves its purposes. And if you've been in the church any length of time, and anyone who's ever stood in a pulpit knows this, people will say, well, pastor, I tried that faith stuff, and it don't work. The first thing I want to say is I want to jump ahead a little bit. Faith ain't stuff. Faith is spirit. And that's the reason why some people struggle, because it's hard to walk in the spirit when you're carnally minded. <laughs> Come on now. You, 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 in order to walk in the spirit, you got to walk in the spirit. You can't walk in the natural and understand spiritual things. So faith is spiritual, and it ain't stuff, and faith don't fail. I've read the Bible several times, and I don't find one time where faith failed God. Do you? I can't find one time in the entirety of the Scripture where God attempted something by faith, and it failed. Now, you've heard me say that the ultimate objective of faith is to make God's truth our reality. You ought, to, you ought to keep that in mind because, see, some people got the idea that faith is something they use to manipulate God in order to get what they want. Faith cannot get for you what grace has not provided for you. And years ago, and this is, this is one of those rabbits, but years ago uh, I was listening to Andrew Womack and Andrew Walmack shared a story, and he said that, and it's a true story, uh, that there was a woman in a church somewhere that had a revelation that Kenneth Copeland had made a mistake by marrying Gloria because God's actual ordination was that Kenneth Copeland was her husband. And she went and shared this with her pastor, and her pastor said, well, you know, faith has a corresponding action. So if Kenneth Copeland is your husband, you've got to receive him by faith. And so they decided to have a mock wedding in the church. I don't know what they prayed would happen to Gloria. But in the church, they had a wedding where this woman spiritually married Kenneth Copeland. Now, I heard Andrew share this story probably about 20 years ago, and I don't know when the story took place before then, but as far as I know, Kenneth and Glory are still a couple. I don't believe this woman has ever entered the picture. The reason I'm saying that is, see, sometimes some of us think faith failed because we attached our faith to something God did not provide for us. Faith can only obtain that which grace has provided. And grace did not provide you her husband. Grace did not provide you his wife. So we need to make sure that our faith is focused on that which grace has provided. But now if grace has provided it for us, faith will never fail. And that's the point. right? God never had a faith failure. And in reading through the Gospels, I don't ever find where faith failed Jesus. 
I don't find anywhere in his life story where Jesus, now Jesus said a lot of things, but I never, is this okay this morning? I don't find one time where Jesus said, well, I tried. I tried that faith stuff and it just didn't work. No, I do find where people wouldn't receive, but I never find where his faith failed. His faith would defy the laws of physics. It's physically impossible for a human body to walk on water. But by faith. See, this is the reason why you and I need to... Some people consider faith too elementary. They've gone on to bigger things. You never outgrow faith. Because it's faith that pleases God. And, and when it comes to the Christian life, we only got two choices. Really, life is a series of choices. And when it comes to faith, we've got two. We can walk by faith or not. And if we don't walk by faith, we're limited to our natural abilities. And when you hit the end of your ability, that's your limit. But by faith, there are no limits. Literally none. Because the Bible, are y'all with me this morning? The Bible says all things, not some things, but all things. Are you with me? Say that then. All things. That thing you've been considering impossible is only impossible in your mind because you're thinking about it naturally. You're wondering, how do I do this? And that there is the baby, the problem. I know I've done it. I ain't preaching at you. I have, my, I have put my wife and I on hold for years yes, trying to do things. I remember one time we, we, we were shut down for a year. I mean shut down. I'm talking shut down. And they hadn't even ever heard of the coronavirus yet. We were shut down. And the re, at the end of the year, my, it was about a certain situation. My wife said, I thought you said you were going to fix this. And I went into my prayer closet because I realized that this year had been a total lockdown. And when I went into my prayer closet, you know how long it takes God to speak? <laughs> Sometimes I wish he would hesitate a little bit. But when it's important, he speaks up. And as soon as I went into my prayer closet, the Lord took me back in time. And I saw myself standing in a driveway in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, when we were first made aware of this transgression against our ministry. And the Lord allowed me to hear myself say, I shall fix this. I'm going to fix this. And I told my wife, me, Tarzan, you, Jane, I'll fix it, baby. Because I'm a man, I got chest hair. She often says, you're a miller and you walk like a gorilla. Gorilla. Because I'm a miller, I walk like a gorilla. I just think I walk with style. Whenever I walk, I hear the Bee Gees. Told you there's rabbits all over the place this morning. But the Lord brought me back to this place and I heard myself say, I will fix this. And what the Lord allowed me to realize is, son, you ain't capable of fixing much. This is beyond you, but you're only trusting you. Yes. And it, it takes about as long for a human heart to repent as it does for the Lord to speak. I repented, and I turned it all over to him. The Bible says that we are not to care about anything 
but we're to cast over upon him all of our anxieties because he cares for us. And so I turned this thing over to the Lord after a year. It's amazing how lightning quick my mind is. After a year of being shut down, I turned it over to God, and he just, I mean, it was was amazing. Bam, 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 bam. He began to fix it all. But when I was trusting in myself, remember I told you, we can walk by faith or not. If we walk by faith, God takes us beyond our abilities. Now suddenly we find we're able to walk through the storm and not sink. We're able to walk through the fire and not be burned. We're able to walk through famine and get fat. We're able to do things that natural, normal people cannot do because we're not natural, we're supernatural. And we're not normal, we're abnormal. We are a weird group of people marked by the supernatural. We've got to go back to the simplicity of faith and realizing our God is a God who's never changed. And if He ever did it for anyone, He'll do it for us. And faith is the... Faith is the vehicle that brings me into the land of grace. And every promise of God is by grace. In fact, he said even salvation itself is of grace, so you can't boast about it. Everything he does is of grace, so we can't boast about it. But the way we get it is by faith. Because see, if we could get it by works, and you can make your giving a work, You can make your prayer life a work. You can say the reason why the Lord blesseth me is because I prayeth more than thee, you peasant. And what you're doing is you're taking pride in your prayer life and making it a work. When you realize that it's all by grace, it's not because I pray for a thousand hours. I pray for a thousand hours because I can't stop myself from expressing my gratitude for his grace. Does that make sense? Yes, sir, it does. And so faith always works. Yes. And with Jesus, every time Jesus used his faith, it worked. And understand this, listen. He is our example. Yes. He's our prototype. Yes. He's the template from which we are cut. Can you find me one time in the lives of the disciples after the resurrection, after they'd been filled with the Holy Ghost, Christ had risen from the dead, can you find me one example where their faith failed? You can't. Can you find me one example in the life of Paul? Are you all listening to me this morning? Can you find me one example in the life of Paul where his faith failed? You can't. And what you and I need to understand, though years have gone by and we did not grow up in the same land as Jesus or Paul or the disciples, we have the same faith. There's one faith. Faith has not changed over the years. I don't have an American faith. There's no such thing as a Russian faith or an African faith. There's no such thing as a Canadian faith. Right? There's not a male faith and a female faith. There's not a poor faith and a rich faith. There's one faith, and it's all faith that comes from him because he's the author and he's the finisher of faith. You following me? Let's go ahead and and go to 
Mark chapter 11, and I want to say this as they're putting it up on the screen, if faith ain't working, it's because we haven't learned how to work our faith. It's user error. No one wants to ever admit it's user error. <laughs> I have a, a perfect illustration of this, if you'll allow me to chase another rabbit. I remember it well. Back in 1985, my senior year in high school, I had a mullet. Google it. Perm up here, shoulder length, pink football jersey and Jordache jeans. I told you, BGs, baby. You can tell by the way I walk my walk. And a friend of mine had bought a, at that time, new white Corvette. And I talked him in somehow to letting me have his white Corvette because I figured me in a white Corvette, chick magnet. <laughs> Cruising the strip on a Friday night, mullet, pink shirt, Jordas jeans, white vet. Who could resist? And so I went and picked up Gary's Corvette, drove it home, feeling good. I figured before I go out and do my thing, I need to defunkify. <laughs> so I went in and I defunkified and did what I had to do to my lovely locks. And I went out, set for a night that would never be forgotten. Put the key in the ignition. Nothing. Now you all got to remember this was back before mobile phones and I, there was no we had landlines rotary dial called gary's house after several attempts gary had already been out for the evening he was gone in his own jordash jeans wow. and i could not get this corvette started so instead of being a chick magnet on the strip i was a homebody watching the farms <laughs> and i wasn't saved so i was complaining and i was cussing and the next day, Gary came to pick up his vet. And you're saying, Pastor, where are you going with this? Just listen. I said, Gary, there's something wrong with that piece of trash car of yours. Ruined my whole night. You should have told me that was a piece of C-wrap. He said, what, what? I said, man, it won't start. He said, ah, oh, I forgot to tell you. There's a kill switch. Hidden underneath the carpet, right to the left side of the driver's seat, you got to push this button, and he did it, and it started right up. That did not make me happy. <laughs> and he drove off in that nice-looking vet. If faith ain't working, it's because you don't know how to work your faith. I was blaming the vet. There was nothing wrong with the vet. I didn't know where the kill switch was. Some of us don't know where the life switch is in faith. Brother Hagen used to talk about keeping the switch of faith turned on. There is a switch that will turn on your faith, and you've got to know where it is. Otherwise, you try and you try and you try, and it never starts up. Now, Jesus, being the perfect teacher in Mark chapter 11... He told us how faith works. You remember, he had, he had, previously to this, he had gone up to a fig tree because he was hungry. The tree was in full leaf. But when he got up to it, there were no figs. 
And Jesus cursed the fig tree and then walked away. And then we pick it up in verse 20. As they were, Mark chapter 11, verse 20, as they were passing by in the morning, being the same fig tree, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Now, if they were like me, they had been used to seeing plants wither from the leaves in, but never from the roots up. And so this is what drew their attention to it, because they knew this wasn't natural. And being reminded in verse 21, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered to them, saying, have faith in God. Now let me read you verse 22 out of two different translations, the literal standard and Young's literal. The literal standard, Mark eleven twenty-two, and Jesus answering says to them, have faith from God. And the Young's literal says, have faith of God. In other words, there's only one kind of faith, and it all originates from God. You you follow what I'm saying? So the faith that you and I have into each one of us, if you're born again, you have faith. You got faith. Whether we're using it properly or not is the only question, but we got faith. And faith works. You see, it would be unjust of God, and God is not unjust. It would be unjust of God for him to require of me to walk by faith and then not give me the faith to walk by. If he required, do you remember, I told you this a couple weeks ago, God never requires anything of you. He does not first provide for you. He provides it for you, then he requires it of you. So he provides for us, he's measured out to each the measure of faith. And then he requires of us, use your faith to live a supernatural life. So Jesus said, have faith of God. Then if we'll jump down to verse 23, Jesus tells us exactly how to use this God kind of faith. Because the God kind of faith has nothing to do with religion. There's all kinds of religious faiths. But then there's the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith is the faith that makes the impossible possible. The God kind of faith is the faith that makes the sick whole, that makes the blind to see, that makes the lame to walk, that makes the deaf to hear. That ain't religious faith. That's the God kind of faith. The, the, The God kind of faith is what produces the supernatural lifestyle that each one of us are called by God to walk in. Each one of us. There ain't supposed to be big dogs and little dogs in the church. Amen. Amen. You know what I mean by that. There's not preachers and then laity. We are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In him, we are all anointed by him. The Bible says, know you not that you are anointed of the Holy One. So he says here in verse 23, truly I tell you, I'm reading it to you out of the Amplified. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to go back and deconstruct it. Truly, I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes what he says will take place, it will be done for him. Verse 24, for this reason I am telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you, and you will get it. Everyone say, faith works. 
Now, the first thing I want you, when Jesus says here, truly, I tell you what he's, telling, he's saying is, dude, I'm about to tell you the truth. That's it. Don't get confused by the poetry. I'm telling you the truth. This ain't no lie. It'll work for you just like it works for me because the same faith I walk in is the faith you walk in. Then he says, whoever says. He, come on now. It's not whoever meditates, whoever thinketh, whoever thinketh, right? Listen, we don't get to, we didn't create faith, so we do not get to dictate how faith works. There's one thing that I've discovered, whether it's a Corvette or it's anything else in life, the designer of the product is the one who designs its function. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God designed faith. It's not up to us to fabricate a new kind of faith. It's up to us to learn the principles of the God kind of faith so that we can function in the God kind of life. Yes. So Jesus said, "I'm listen to me, I'm telling you the truth. Yes. Whoever says, yes. not thinks, not ponders, not meditates, but says, if you ain't saying, it ain't working. Come on now. And then he says, no doubt. Does not doubt at all. Do you see that? How much doubt are you and I allowed to entertain? None. Everyone say, no doubt. Listen to this. If you are doubting, you are not believing. But if you are believing... You are not doubting. We need to understand that doubt is not beneficial. Doubt is detrimental when it comes to the life of faith. And listen, there's a lot of people you can doubt their word because they have failed you. There's a lot of people you can doubt their motives because they betrayed you. But there's not one of us, not one of us, not one of us, I'm going to say it again, not one of us, that have a right or a cause to doubt God Almighty. He has never lied to you. He has never betrayed you. He has never hurt you. If all the people in the universe that deserve to be trusted, it's Him. You following me? So if He said it, our uncertainty is not only unnecessary, but it's completely debilitating. It'll shut you down. Faith works when we entertain no doubt. Now let me, let me go, go with me to Mark chapter 5. Because I want to show you something here. I want to read this to you out of the Passion Translation. Mark chapter 5 verse 39. Upon entering the home, Jesus said to them, Why all this grief and weeping? Don't you know the girl is not dead? but merely asleep. Verse 40, Then everyone began to ridicule and make fun of him. Why? Because he made a faith statement. He said, this girl ain't dead. My dreams ain't dead. My future's not ended. There's hope for me yet. You've not seen the end of the story. I'm going to come out on top. And people ridicule your dreams. They ridicule your faith. They ridicule your goals. 
And the problem with some of us is we entertain them. What did Jesus do? You all following me? Then everyone began to ridicule and make fun of him. Because he had made a statement. But he threw them all outside. He didn't escort them. He didn't say, would you all kindly leave? He threw them out. He threw... He threw them out. Why? Because he had a faith project. And they were messing with it. Somebody's destiny was on the line. Somebody's healing was on the line. Somebody's breakthrough was on the line. And they were messing with his faith project. You and I need to be like the master. If they are ridiculing and making fun of, the problem with some of us is we're too cordial. And I ain't saying you got to be mean. But if they're ridiculing your faith, if they're belittling your hopes, then make no room for them. Because when it comes to faith, you either is or you ain't. And if you ain't, we ain't got nothing to talk about because I is. And it ain't about being mean. Listen, I, I, I will respect your right to die in mediocrity. I'll respect your right to live in misery. But as for me and my house, I ain't the master of your house. But as for me and that woman, step by step, we are walking by faith and not by sight and choosing to believe that the greatest days are ahead of us, not behind us, because the glory of the latter house will outshine the glory of the former house. And if you don't believe it, I respect you. I just don't want to hang with you. Right? Because there is a certain type of people I like being around. I like being with faith people. I like, with, I, I, I like being with people that are weird, man. I, I, I like being with people that ain't got two quarters to rub together, but they're talking about what they're going to do when they're rich. I, 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 like, I like talking to people who are going to change the world. I, I like talking to people who are saying, Pastor, this is where I come from, but this is where I'm going. This is what I've been through, but this is what I'm going to do. I, I like being around people who believe God is still God. That he can heal the sick. Don't tell me God don't heal no more. If you don't think God heals no more, it's true for you. But as for me, I believe he still makes the lame to walk. I believe he still gives sight to the blind. I, I believe he still turns shepherds into kings. Faith still works. Then everyone began to ridicule, and he threw them out. Then he took the child's father and mother and his three disciples and went into the room where the girl was lying. And you know what? Faith did not fail. Listen, you notice this. Can I say something else to you? You don't need everyone. You just need someone. Jesus went in there with the father and the mother and three disciples. You don't got to have 10,000 people applauding your faith. Sometimes all you need is one. You just need one person to say, you know what? I agree with you. I agree with you. Your child's going to be made whole. 
I agree with you that you're going to live in a fine home. I agree with you that your, your daughter's coming back, that your son's coming back. I agree with you that ain't nothing impossible. I agree with you that your dream ain't dead yet. I agree. I don't need everyone. I just need someone. If you can't tell, I like faith. Hallelujah, Father. I wrote this down. Listen, there are some things, if we want to be strong men and women of God, we need to throw out. If it doesn't make you stronger in faith, it ain't helping your faith. I'm going to say that again. If it doesn't make you stronger in faith, it ain't helping your faith. Develop your faith. Because your faith makes it possible. Everyone say no doubt. Do what you got to do to remove the doubt. Find the source of doubt and remove it. Is it the movies you're watching? Then stop watching them. Is it the books you're reading? Stop reading them. Is it the people you're hanging with? Find new friends. There are faith people out there. You just ain't going to find them around all the doubters. Listen, if you want to find faith, you go to where faith is. Because faith people tend to flock together. We like our own company. We, we, you follow what I'm saying? There are some, I got family members. I love them. I'll do anything for them, but be with them. And I'm just telling you the truth. Because some of them, when I leave their presence, Cleve, I feel like I got to take a shower. It's like you can't handle that much unbelief. It's like a soap opera. Who went to jail this week? Now, I want to be around faith people. It doesn't mean everything's perfect, but when they're in a storm, that what they say is, Pastor, I'm walking through this. This ain't the end of the story. I might smell like smoke and there might be fire all around me, but I read Psalm 23. And I read Psalm 91. I read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. And I'm walking through this. That type of person, I'll say, baby, you ain't walking alone. We'll walk right with you. Arm in arm, we'll get through this together. Hallelujah, Father. Now next, Jesus said, says. Before he even mentions prayer, he talks about what you say. What we say is more important. Oh, this is going to rock some of you's world. But Brother Hagin said it, so if you get angry with what I said, go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, stand at his grave and yell at him. <laughs> Brother Hagin would tell us, what we say is more important than what we pray. I want to say that again. What we say is more important than what we pray... Because if we've been in church long enough, we know how to pray in King James English, right? We kneel down and we say, Lord, if that liveth, aboveth, the heaveneth, granteth thyeth, myeth, desireth. And we think we'll be heard for our much repetition and our long speaking. But then as soon as we get up off of our knees, we're saying, you know what? I doubted it ever work anyhow. 
But I thought you just prayed it. Oh, I prayed it, but I don't think it's ever going to work. We ain't never going to live there. We ain't never going to get there. It ain't never going to come to pass. Whatsoever you saith is what you shall haveth. Yeah? Because what you say is more important than what you pray because it's out of the abundance of the heart that man prayeth. No, no, no. It's out of the abundance of the heart that man speaketh. So Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter, and he says, whatever you say. Listen to this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, i got a long ways to go. I thought this would be a short sermon. I said, boy, they're going to love me because they'll get out of there before the chicken is dry. There may be no more chicken when you get to the buffet. But you'll have a lot of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the spirit of faith is not silent it speaks. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Reading it to you out of the Passion Translation. We have a different spirit of faith. The same, man. Get that, get that deep. The same faith that Jesus had, Jimmy has. The same faith that Jesus had, you have. You are in no way less than him yes. in faith. Amen. If you're a Christian, you have faith. We have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures when it says, first I believed, then I spoke in faith. So we also first believe and then speak in faith. Mm. That's good, brother. The, the, the switch of faith is in your mouth. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Some people don't like this because they want to believe that really everything is out of their control. Right? A lot of people don't want responsibility. They want victimhood. Because then I can blame the man. For my position. Or I can take it a step further. I can blame God himself. Uh -uh. Oh yeah. It ain't my fault. Because if God had wanted me rich. He would have birthed me in that family. But he birthed me in this family. So the reason I am the way I am. Isn't because of the decisions I've made. I am a victim of a cosmic conspiracy. See. Freedom dictates responsibility. It was for freedom. I'm no longer a slave. He freed me from slavery. He made me a free man. Peter says, then act like a free man. A free man has to make decisions. Understanding that when I make a decision, there are consequences. If I put on a red sock and a blue sock, that's my decision. The consequences is everyone's going to look at me funny. That's right. But it's my decision. It's decision. Right? Yes. What I don't need is someone dictating to me how to dress, Amen. how to talk, yes. how to walk, how to live. Because, listen to this, if somebody establishes the foundation of your life, they also build your ceiling. 
And if you don't want them building your ceiling, you got to take away that foundation. And the foundation is you blame them for everything. Because one of the realities of the Christian life is we are no longer victims. And I'm not, and I'm not belittling what, some of, what we've been through. But I'm not a product of their hatred. I was. That's why I would plot their murders. I would fantasize about hurting people. But then this amazing thing happened. I got born again. I learned how to do a Holy Ghost. And got free. And then suddenly now, did they still hurt me? Yes, they hurt me. But do they control me from a distance? Not anymore. They did, but then I discovered I am not who I am because of what they did. I am who I am because of what he's called me to be. And now the objective of my life is to take every word he has spoken over me and make it the reality of my life. So y'all can say whatever you want to say. They can do whatever they want to do. It doesn't mean nothing anymore because I am his sheep. And the Bible says if I'm his sheep, I hear his Faith liberates us. And faith removes all the boundaries. So now I'm no longer held captive by their betrayal or their pain or what they did. I can walk free of it. And I love the story of Joseph. I'm chasing another rabbit. You'll have to forgive me. But Joseph had been mistreated. I'm talking about Joseph of the old. Mistreated horribly by the very people that were supposed to love him. His older brothers, Cleve, they were supposed to protect him. Have you ever noticed that it's normally the ones that hurt you the most are the ones who are supposed to protect you the dearest? What they did to Joseph was unthinkable. What he went through was unfathomable. But at the end of it, when he was promoted and they stood before him, he didn't lie. He said, what you did, you did with evil intent. But there's a higher reality. There's someone greater than you, you punk. Come on, come on, talk about it. I ain't talking about, you know, if they're a punk, they're a punk. I ain't going to call you a saint, you a punk. But you don't control me, you punk. Because God, Joseph said it this way, but God. But God had a higher plan. And when I went through it, he never left me. When I was in the pit, he didn't forsake me. And he has taken me because I never left him. He never left me. And now I stand in a position to help you. Now, what? See, I know some of you could tell me stories that would make my, my tear ducts open up. But that ain't what's important anymore. It's not about what we've been through. It's about where he's calling us to. And by faith, we forget about those things, whether they were treasure or trash, whether they were scars or trophies. We let them all go, and we walk toward a higher purpose. And when the voices from the past say, don't you remember what they did? It doesn't matter. I've forgiven them, and I'm going on. Don't you remember what he said? I'm not held captive by what he said anymore. Because every word spoken over me in judgment, by faith, I do condemn. And no weapon formed against me can prosper. So I'm walking on. I'm walking straight. My head is high, and my heart is filled with hope is this okay this morning i'm trying to hurry hallelujah father now notice in second corinthians it says a spirit of faith everyone say spirit 
Faith is spiritual. It's not mental. And you don't know faith or you don't grow faith organically. You can't increase, listen to this, you can't increase your faith educationally because faith is spiritual. Faith is of the spirit. If you are approached to life as completely natural or completely mental or even completely emotional, you'll always find faith difficult or even impossible because faith is spiritual. There are some people, they, they confuse faith with emotion. And I'm a, I, you can tell I'm an emotional person. But they'll get in an emotional setting and they'll say, oh, did you feel that faith? No, you didn't feel faith. You felt excitement. That was a byproduct probably of faith, but you didn't feel the faith. And see, if you make that mistake, then you're always going and looking for the hoop. Come on, brother. Come on, brother. Right? You're looking for the handababababa. And then you're easily deceived because the preacher could be preaching false doctrine, but if he does the right... Yeah, ooh, there was faith in the house. No, there wasn't. Man, the dude didn't even preach from the Bible. But he did the shock and he did the jive and you thought it was faith. Don't be so easily fooled. Because faith ain't emotional. It's spiritual. Sometimes the strongest of faith is in the quietest of settings. So how does the spirit of faith operate? It believes and it says. Your words are the life switch. You remember the kill switch of the Corvette? Your words are the life switch. If life ain't the way you want it, what is it that you're saying? Because before you go blaming your pastor, especially this one, or your mama or your daddy, or who's in the White House or out of the White House. Check your words. What are you saying? Because that is the life switch. I already said it, but go ahead and put it up on the screen. Proverbs 18. I'll let you go here in just about an hour. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Reading it to you out of the New Living Translation. The tongue can bring death or life. The tongue can bring. One translation, an actual literal translation of this, is the tongue authorizes, gives authority to either life or death. I know, I used to, I used to wonder why I was always broke. Always broke. I mean, when you were talking broke, I know some of you have been broke, but I was poor. I couldn't even afford the O.R., But you know what I would do when I first got saved? I thought it was a sign of humor and even humility to constantly walk around and say, I ain't got no money. I mean, I just thought it was funny. Walk around. It was just your answer to everything. Somebody, you want to go out and eat? I ain't got no money. I ain't got no money. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And I would ridicule the faith preachers who were trying to help me. Life and death are in the power of tongue. I ain't got no money. And you know what I never had? No money. <laughs> no money. I couldn't even go to poor boys. We got to change the way we talk. Begin to believe God's word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, by every 
word by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if God said it, we ought to be saying it. And did he say you were broke? No, he said, I'll meet all your needs according to your riches and glory. Every desire of your heart I'll fulfill. Right? It's what he said. He, I'll overload you. I will, I will make you heavy laden with good things. Every good and perfect gift come down from the Father above, who, with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. That's what we ought to be saying. When somebody asks you, how are you? I'm the healed and blessed of God. What are you saying? I don't mean to mess. But we got to sometimes mess if we want to be blessed. Is this okay this morning? Hallelujah, Father. Let me find where I was. And just so you know, you're wondering why do I preach out of notes? It's so you can get home. He gives me a point of origination and destination. Listen to this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. If you and I want to be strong men of faith and women of faith, we've got to learn to use our words. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. Yes. Your faith can grow. Yes. And the love of every one of you, uh, every one of you for one another is increasing. Now, this, faith can be growing abundantly. Yes. Now, I'm going to bring this to a close. Have you ever heard of a man named George Mueller? George Mueller was a man who he was not a famous preacher. But he took care of orphans in Bristol, England, back about the 1820s, about 170 years ago. George Mueller had no denominational ties. I need to let you know this. He was independent. He was not tied to any denomination. And he had no church support. In fact, most people didn't like George because he was too independent and too free-thinking. And what George wanted to do was take care of the orphans. And so everything George did, he had to do by faith. Everything, every brick in every building. And he housed about 2,500 orphans. He had to believe for the food. In fact, there's stories of him having 150 kids at a table, plates in front of every one of them without food because they had no food in the pantry. But he would sit them down and then he would, he would bow his head as if they had food. They had no food anywhere in the place. You have 100 kids with empty plates in front of them. And George would bow his head and he'd say, Father, I thank you for the abundance of food that we are about to receive. We give you praise and we give you glory, for we eat from your hand. And before he was done praying, and this is time after time after time, there'd be a knock at the door. Boom, 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 boom. He had no internet, no Facebook. In fact, George said he would never let man know what his need was. He would only tell God. And time after time, he would, he would go to the door, or you know, someone would go to the door, and there would be lorries, a.k.a. trucks, loaded with food from the local dairy, from the local bakery. They would bring gallons and gallons of milk, and they'd bring bread and pastries and chickens, and, and, and the kids never knew. <laughs> wow. Wow. You see, when you're walking by faith, it's not important that they know the hell you've been through. Right. It's not important because you're not celebrating your hard times. You're celebrating your good God. Amen. Right? You make much to do about him, not it. Yes. And this, listen, this is what George said. Well, starting with nothing in today, listen, starting with nothing 
George raised over the course of his ministry over $168 million through prayer and prayer alone. What I'm trying to tell you is faith works. Our Debbie Shambach used to say, you ain't got no problems. All you need is faith in God. When he was 93 years old, he wrote these words in his journal. When I first started praying and believing God, it took all the faith I had to believe God for one American dollar. But after feeding and exercising my faith daily for 50 years, I could believe God for one million dollars just as easily as I could for one dollar 50 years before. He also said, I always begin my day by feeding on God's word, not just reading it. F.F. Bosworth once said, most Christians feed their body three hot meals a day and their spirit one cold snack per week and wonder why they're so weak in faith. Everyone say this together. I am bringing this to a close. Everyone say, faith works. Faith works. Say it again, faith works. faith works. Then say this, my faith, my faith works. works. There is nothing wrong with your faith. It just needs to be used. It might take every ounce of faith you've got to believe God for one dollar. But if you will believe God for the one dollar, maybe you need a pair of socks. Believe God. Go to God. And just ask him for your need and begin to believe him, not doubting in your heart, but believe that God can be the supplier of socks. Yes, sir. And then when you see that he brings you the socks, it'll give you the courage to believe him for a pair of shoes. And when he brings you the pair of shoes, you'll begin to believe him for a pair of slacks. Yep. And pretty soon God will give you a whole new wardrobe. Yep. And once you've killed the lion and once you've killed the bear, then when you stand before a Goliath in your life, you know that that Goliath ain't nothing because the same faith that brought me victory over that molehill will bring me victory over this mountain. Because in closing, this is what I know, and I, I want to touch a couple other things, but I know our time is running short. Faith is always focused. Faith ain't scattered. Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, focus your faith. Pray specifically. Ask God for exactly what it is you want from him. Because if grace has provided it, faith will obtain it. Amen. And then keep believing them and don't let them laugh at you. Amen. Don't let them belittle you. Don't let anyone tell you God is not interested in providing you socks. Come on, brother. He's just not interested in providing them socks. Yes. Because they ain't believing them for socks. Yes. You following me? Yes, sir. They're too busy trying to get their needs met from other people. And they become moochers and beggars and manipulators. Mm -hmm. But those of us who learn to walk by faith, we don't have to go to men and ask for our needs to be met. Because we go to God. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And all the silver and all the gold and all the hills belongs to him. Amen. And if we'll simply walk by faith, there is no good thing he'll withhold from us. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Father. Go ahead and lift your hands. I need our prayer team to come up. If you're with us for the first time,